So this is largely in preparation for episode 100. We said that we were going to do a special thing just for podcast listeners and release party stories just to you guys. So this will not be a public thing. It'll just be strictly for educational and I guess somewhat entertainment purposes for you guys for sticking around for 100 episodes. And in preparation for that, Latif and I are going to watch this and we're going to do a little commentary. So it'll be up to you if you want to watch that or listen to this on the podcast, I guess you're free to do that. Or if you want to skip this one and go to the real episode 100, where we break down two or three scenes, then you do you. I'm going to do a countdown and then we're going to both hit play. If you're listening to this and want to sync it up, you just do the same thing. Yeah. And also for the listeners, this movie turned out to be basically exactly on 60 minutes. So this episode isn't going to be three hours or anything like that. It'll be normal-ish podcast episode length. Okay. Five, four, three, two, one. All right. Did you get the shower curtain pull right there? Are we on track? We're going. Yeah, he's getting out of the tub. Yeah. So this is Roy. I met him through Latif. He was an actor and one of Latif's buddies, actually. He acted in Latif's first short that I was a part of. Mm-hmm. And I remember really being impressed with him, so we brought him on to Party Stories. Yeah, Roy's a really <laughs> nice guy. And he, he does yeah, a really great. great job of being, like, totally out of it. <laughs> yeah. So this so actually... Yeah, this is actually a, a fairly famous scene within the production of the movie for a bunch of reasons. Um, one is this was never meant to be the opening of the movie. We had an entire other sequence here that on the first cut of the movie we watched and we were like, this is fucking terrible. This scene has to go. And mm-hmm. Latif actually called it in the scripting stage. He's like, trust me, you don't want to do this scene. You just want to start with the scene too. I refuse to believe it. We shot it anyway. And it was the first thing that got cut out of the movie. So this mm-hmm is actually pretty much the end of the movie that happened to work well as a intro as well. There's Roy with all the dicks on his head. (laughs) So in case you can't tell, this is not something you want to watch with your kids. So if you have kids around, well, you're either a bad parent or you should stop watching this with your kids. (laughs) You're either a bad parent. We didn't even warn them. Some guy with dicks (laughs) on his head comes in. (laughs) Avert your eyes, Charlie. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, there's some porn so you definitely don't want kids being around yeah ah the fish curtains you don't have those anymore what's that the fish curtains yeah i love those fish curtains but after we shot this and a bunch of people puked in the tub they got all disgusting and they had to go <laughs> there's my cat chester adorable little bastard this is a great guy um math yeah, played Pender. So, all right, moving on. This is the first, the scene Latif said we should start on. It's basically our three leads walking to what will be the house party that'll take the entire duration of the movie. So, Latif, why did you say start on this and cut that opening scene originally? It didn't feel like it was adding too much because we kind of get the idea that he's sad. But we don't need a precursor to know that, that he's sad anyways. Like, we just get it through the party. We see him talking about it here anyways this guy on the left yeah how did it like when we got to that first edit and i was like you're right this first scene has to go were you like yeah that's right i told you (laughs) no i just had a feeling about it i don't want to like be a jackass about it but you know who knows it could have worked you don't really know until you see it Mm -hmm. oh there's my other cat little bastard missed that guy All right, so this is pretty much everything up to this point has been natural lighting. And even this, like for the most of the movie, we use natural lighting aside from a few lights. So most of these, because you're you're really in what, three, four rooms in a backyard for the entire movie. So just talk a little bit about how you decided to light the inside of this. Actually, I don't know natural lighting is the right way to go because everything is artificially lit. Um, I think you mean natural that like it doesn't look over stylized it just looks like you're in a place Um, Mm. but there's a light in every room Um, even in this shot like in the top left corner there's a light hitting them so but it just looks like there's like normal house lights on (laughs) 
And that would be Diego Veramonte's ass. <laughs> I think when he gets the mirror, too, that wasn't planned, right? He just did it. Yeah, it just kind of happened. This is actually a movie that's a pretty good example of one of those movies where, we, you know, we had a script, everything was written, but we didn't try to limit anything on set. So this mirror thing that's what happened right here where Roy holds it and then the character of Monk with the long hair just checks himself out and kind of becomes Roy's torso at one point. This was all improvised. Well, the dialogue was scripted, but this whole grabbing of the crotch and whatnot, that was all Diego. <laughs> Yeah, what's interesting here, too, is half of this is reshoots, isn't it? Like, this close-up on Roy, and not with without the mirror, that's all reshot, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, we, we had to pick that up again. I, I, I can't remember what, what went wrong with that. You wanted to change some of the lines I remember you are talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, props to, the, to um, the makeup department. I'll remember at the end, and then I'll say it, but you can't tell what's reshoots and what isn't there. Yeah, I mean, it's not easy to tell it's a reshoot, but... Uh, and there's Derek <laughs> with his fur. <laughs> so if you're watching this without the commentary on this, basically the function of this scene is just to get the people that we're going to spend the majority of this movie with together in a room, get them interacting and kind of see their personalities and their situations coming out. It ends up being a little bit dominated by Jeff Monk, which is Diego Veramontes got the long hair talking right now, which in all fairness I think his character, who is a real person, is that overwhelming in real life. And most of the scenes he's in, you feel his presence more than the rest of the characters. But it's an interesting thing just to take a look at. (laughs) He's just trouncing over everyone right now. Yeah. I remember when... So this is all shot in the house that I was living in. It was me, my wife, and my roommate. And when we started doing set design for this, we started, or when we started prepping for it, we prepped light. So you can see a light up in the top left there. We put that above a doorway where you couldn't see it. And we just set up little things like that. And it, the roommate and the wife were kind of like, okay, you know, movie's filming here. And then we brought in a bunch of gear and it's like, there's no room. What should we do? And we're like, uh, just going to have to live with it for a week or so. And then we started putting <laughs> porn on the walls. <laughs> That's when they started to lose it. Yeah, yeah, they they were angels, they were saints. This is also reshot as well, I think. Yeah. Yeah, this whole scene was reshot, wasn't it? When it was added, it wasn't there originally. Yeah. It's interesting, for this movie and for what we don't say, the majority of the research, reshoots that we did, I think they all fell into the first, like, 15 minutes of the movie, didn't they? Yeah. It was all additional stuff. Well, except the ending of what we don't say, but... Yeah. Yeah. It's mostly just, like, little moments that just add something. Mm-hmm. And if you ever want to get... This a game just... you actually played, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, no... Well, yeah, I guess I did play this, but this actually came from the metal band Pantera. They had a story where when they would go on tour, they would have porn cutouts on the wall. And then they would have green slime that they would throw at them. And depending on where you hit the girl, you would have to take a shot. And if you missed, then you would also have to take a shot. So when I was this age, like 18-ish, me and my buddies love Pantera. And we're like, we should do that. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And when we were prepping this movie, we really wanted it to feel like you were just put into the shoes of an 18 year old kid that you know life was just about getting messed up and everything and it's like what kind of games would they play and i'm like gotta play that weird porn game it's so strange so specific and some people are really gonna hate it but you know what some people are gonna hate this movie it's just gonna (laughs) rub them in the not so pc way and you know we decided to go for it logistically blocking this was interesting though because this is a real house it's not on a sound stage or anything so in order to get everyone's coverage get the angles we needed and get a wide it was not easy i'm pretty sure for the wide you were basically like on the window sill leaning against the window if that window gave out bad things would have happened no i don't think i was that far back but i it was pretty tight like we had to keep everyone in close 
I think um, most people's coverage was pretty easy. It's just Diego. He fucking moves around so much when he talks. <laughs> Even on the yeah the close up shots, I have to really. Yeah, I remember when he was getting into the character because, like I mentioned, Jeff Monk, the guy he plays, is an actual buddy of mine. So this is a, a fictional version of him, but we really took his essence and just plugged it into this, right? And he would ask me, you know, how does Jeff Monk talk and how does he do this, this and this? And then we kind of arrived at what the movie version of Jeff Monk was. And it was very animated. He talked with his hands a lot and he moved and swayed to the way that his vocabulary came out. And it seemed like the right way to go with the character. I still don't regret it to this day. But looking back at it, it's like maybe I should have at least warned Latif that, you know, this guy's going to move a lot and you just kind of gotta keep up with them and especially because Latif's just a one-man crew right like we don't have a focus puller we don't have ACs or anything like that Latif's doing everything <laughs> and I did not give him any warning about this it wasn't too crazy I mean the stuff outside gets pretty pretty nuts when they start running around and shit but you know it's part of the job I guess what was yeah. he drinking there I Oh, yeah, that was disgusting. I remember that. So this is called an inception shot. And, you know, you can see how it looks. So I won't describe the physical build of it. But basically, the premise is you take one shot, and then another shot falls into another, and then that shot falls into another. And we just made it with whatever we had lying around. So I'm pretty sure it was like water fell into apple juice, and then apple juice fell into water, and then that fell into orange juice or something like that. And even later when they're doing beer bongs, it's like, we're obviously not going to have our actors drinking real beer or anything like that. So what are we going to make them drink? It's like, get apple juice. It's like, we don't have that much. We can't afford apple juice. Well, water it down. <laughs> and I remember after Derek did one, I was like, how'd that taste? He's like, it tastes like apple juice followed by water. Cool. <laughs> oh, this is probably the best moment. Yeah. When he calls you know, I think one shit. thing that... <laughs> yeah. so this entire thing is ad-libbed a piece of shit and it cuts out a moment too soon because as soon as he said it i was like that's so mean and i yelled cut well didn't yell it i said cut and then he did it one more time and then we didn't do it again and when we got into the edit we were like this is the best line in the movie we can't cut this so we found a way to cut it in yeah you know, one thing I think that we need to do a bigger deep dive on, and it's really interesting because how we mentioned our pre-production, we were setting everything up and, you know, putting porn on the walls and lights in the in the walls and whatnot. We actually lost over half of our pre-production time. We only had one week to do it, and we had rehearsals the first two nights. And on that weekend, I had a buddy drive cross-country, move cross-country, so he crashed with me, and he brought a goddamn stomach virus with him. So everyone in the house started getting sick on the second nights of rehearsals. So we had to cut that short. We only got one day of or one night of rehearsals. I had to send everyone home. Then as I was dying of illness and had the worst headache of my life, I had to go to the grocery store and buy bleach and bleach the entire house while I was just <laughs> sick as hell. <laughs> really makes you wonder, like, what differences would there have been had we gotten that extra four days of pre-production, you know? Yeah, I was I was afraid I was going to get the virus, but I was lucky. Everyone seemed to get it except me. <laughs> yeah, and luckily, no one with the movie, or other than me, no one involved with the movie got it. The only person that ended up getting sick was Naomi. Do you remember that? Yeah, we had to reschedule because of it, I remember. Yeah, so basically the girl that plays Alessandra with the really long black hair, the she's from Singapore. Um, she plays in a band, and I think she had she was in the first day where we filmed this scene, and then she had the next three days off, and we were supposed to film two days with her after that. But the day before we were set to film her scenes, she went out and played a gig where they had some kind of smoke machine. And she ended up having a bad allergic reaction to it. Her eyes swelled shut. Her, you could barely hear her voice. It was totally gone. And that was probably the biggest panic of this whole production, wasn't it? I would say. What would you say? Yeah, because we had to quickly figure out what we could shoot while she recovered. 
but mm-hmm. we eventually Oliver worked something out. Oliver was our first AD. Amazing first AD. This scene, I actually still, I don't want to say, no, I don't regret the scene, but I wish it would have been easier to shoot. So like basically the way we're cutting this scene together, I think the scripty did a pretty good job with eye lines, but this, since we're just shooting in my living room, we can't get the wides where we would have everyone in. We can't tear out any walls. We can't do any intricate moving shots or anything like that. So there was no way to get everyone in one shot with where they're sitting in the room. So you kind of have to just depend on eye lines to guide you certain ways and understand that this girl with the black leather jacket was looking at Jason and whatnot. And I think it works well enough, but I would have loved to have been able to take out a wall or something and do it in a different way. Did you ever get those thoughts while we were filming this? Like, I just wish this goddamn wall was not here. <laughs> no. I was, just, <laughs> I was just trying to shoot. Well, that's a good thing. This scene I actually think of fairly often when Party Stories comes to mind because when I, we filmed Party Stories in what, 2016, 2017? 2016. Yeah, 2016. And the world was a very different place socially there. And I think a lot of the things that specifically the character of Monk says in this movie could be taken in a not-so-great-light today but one thing that always comes back to me, and it was the way I'd wrote it initially, and I think it's the way that it came out in the final movie, is Althea, the girl on the right here. If you look at any character in this movie, I think she's the strongest character in terms of who she is. And really, she's kind of like the Buddha of the movie when you sit and watch it front to back. She's very calm, very... She's the smartest person in there, even though Diego, Jeff Monk, is a total lunatic and is very smart as well. She's very... Uh, she just seems to get the zeitgeist of this world that Party Stories lives in more than any other character. And I think that's a really interesting way to watch this movie through, especially, you know, if you've seen it once and you're going to do it a second time. Yeah. I mean, for most people, whenever they watch a movie, they're always trying to figure out who they connect to the most in the story. And I think in this movie, it'll it'll probably fall into, like, either... Um, Cougar or Althea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but I totally agree. Very unlikely Monk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think a lot of people can relate to Monk in the sense that they've known someone like Monk. But if you truly are a Monk, then you're so weirdly smart and off the rails that you only really relate to yourself. And I don't mean that in an insulting way. It's just in a very like Russell Brandy kind of way. <laughs> did I ever tell you the, or did Cougar ever tell you the story of him getting the role in this movie? No. So I guess right before I had emailed him about this, he was like, yeah, I'm done with acting. He had been out of acting school for a couple of years And he was just, you know, I'm not getting any roles. I'm really having a bad time. He's really defeated. And then I contacted him because I just saw him on whatever website. He's like, hey, man, I got this movie, uh, super low budget, micro budget, in fact. Uh, I need a lead and I like your headshot. And I guess he got the email. He closed his computer and looked to his girlfriend. He's like, I don't care if I have to pay to do this movie. I'm getting this role. (laughs) Super and just for the record, we did not charge him to be in the movie. Don't ever do that. That's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> it is, right? <laughs> what did you think of shooting this scene? Because this, we, you know, there's five characters in this scene, and this room is even smaller than the living room we were just in. So was this a challenge for you to shoot in any way, or were you able to get in and get your coverage as you kind of needed no, I mean, it was tight. It was just the light is sitting right above them, kind of. So just making sure that everyone like is sitting in the right spot. Like, this angle I, I kind of like just because everyone is lit kind of equally. It's very soft. Mm-hmm. Also, fun fact, those pills they took there in the story, it's ecstasy. But in real life, 
when you buy birth control pills, there's a final row that just has sugar pills. And I was like, anyone that has these, just give them to me. So we had a whole bunch of birth control sugar pills kicking around. <laughs> and that's what they took in that scene. They all, they all took birth control. <laughs> <laughs> the non-estrogen kind. Do you remember shooting that scene at the door where Jason goes to meet the blonde girl, um, yeah. which is Cougar Jake's ex? We tried so many different versions of that. And basically, the idea is he answers the door. She's not supposed to come to this party, and he's not really impressed that she's there. And we were like, just have fun with it, guys. And in editing, we were like, some of these, like, he doesn't berate her or anything, but some of these get mean because he just flat out ignores the crap of her. Yeah, and I think we used, like, one of the worst takes, like, when he was the most... (laughs) upset yeah like we didn't go for for the worst but it wasn't one of the most friendly no this might be an interesting one to do a a lighting breakdown on as well yeah i mean there's only one light source it's sitting on the top left side of the frame right above the washing machine there i have to tuck into that corner it's like a four foot to double Kino. That's the only then, one in the entire room? No, no, the oven lights are on too. Actually, no, that's not true. I think I had a light above the cabinets as well, but it was just mm. pointing up into the ceiling. That's fair. And then that brings us to this scene, which shooting this, I feel like informed half of what we don't say because we have basically every character in the movie here right now. They're all sitting around a table and they're all doing different things, getting the coverage for this. We made these actors do this scene so many times. And there's like three little monologues from Jeff Monk in here. What was your take on shooting this? Getting the singles pretty easy but i think initially it's just putting everyone in the right spot because we don't want to like miss any anything essential so getting you know naomi's character there it's just her by herself and then we covered these guys in a semi-wide shot just on the couch and luke is kind of tucked in there but we only get him on close-ups but he's not really uh necessary for the scene anyways so Pender sitting back there, and the only character that's not fully in any of these angles is Ben, but Mm -hmm. not Ben Cougar. But we cut to him. Oh, that's a great (laughs) moment. (laughs) Uh, He kills me in this movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's even better when he's on the couch and he's trying to have a conversation. Shit, what's the what's Cougar's character's name again? Jake. Jake. Jake's trying to talk to him. So yeah, definitely. Also, yeah, I think one thing that I I would recommend to first-time filmmakers if they're like, I'm going to make my first feature, what strangely unique piece of advice would you have? I would say, don't have a scene with 10 characters. And if you have a scene with 10 characters, don't have different blocking and movement within that scene. Because if you look at this, most of the characters are sitting around the table here. And then at one point, there's a whole different thing where Roy goes to, he goes somewhere, I can't remember. And then he goes and sits back on the couch. So in terms of blocking and figuring out how to physically film this thing, you have so much to focus on with your eight characters sitting around the table that when you really sit the back to say, when does this other character come into the background, which really doesn't have relevance till later, and where do these other two characters sit? It is a big hunk of meat to bite off. So generally, if you're doing your first movie, the less characters you can have in a scene, the better. Try not to have ten people in one scene. It's a huge pain in the ass. <laughs> For sure. But I think... For this movie, you had to have one scene where everyone was kind of talking and around each other without it being like a, a dance party. And this was like the one scene. So it worked out. Yeah. Could you imagine if we had had a couple of these in the movie? Nah. <laughs> we wouldn't make a <laughs> schedule. Uh. 
You know what's interesting is that, like when I was flipping through this movie earlier, this sequence here, um, like I think this is a, a good way to get into the se- sequence. But once we get into the montage bit, I would say that's probably one of the top three of my favorite scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm. This is all improvised too. We had to like rely on them actually playing the game properly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's actually, you know, I think there's something to be said in terms, you always hear the term ceiling shots, right? Like you don't have a permit, you want to shoot on the street, you just go shoot gorilla, you steal that shot. But there's also some, something to be said where you can steal shots within your own movie. So this, for example, was one of the last things we shot. And this, they're actually drinking beer because we had very little beer. And this last scene we were going to shoot leads into this montage, which is actually the after party. So we mm. knew that we'd get the energy for free of them playing this drinking game and whatnot. Dylan here is my favorite, how we cut the music. But we knew we would get their energy for free of them actually drinking and whatnot. And then when we go into this montage, like it, I think it's a fairly out there idea. Like, well, how do we want to shoot this montage? And we just say, why don't we just film the rap party? But when you sit back and look at it, it's like for this montage, all we need is to get it across that, you know, this is the height of the party. Everyone's having a great time. And what better way to do that than to actually film a real party? Yeah. And then cut it into the movie halfway through. Yeah. Talk a little bit about shooting this montage, because I know I I pretty much just started getting wasted and left you alone to, <laughs> to film that. I mean, it was just like trying to get as much footage before people start to like pass out and fall asleep. <laughs> 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 and then in between, get some pizza if I could. But it wasn't too complicated. Yeah. One thing I remember from it, the... Ashley, the girl out there with the leather jacket and the longer black hair, she is a professional dancer to some degree. And I guess I wasn't there to witness this momentous occasion and I regret it. But apparently you schooled her in a dance off. Oh, 100 (laughs) percent. Well, because it's like, you know, some some like half drunk white girl at a party is like, I am a dancer. And then she does like some lame dance moves. And she has no idea that I was like a competitive choreographer. So I just like bust out like 10 seconds. And then she's like, what the hell? (laughs) But you're the cinematographer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's too good. Not that she's not a good dancer. I'm sure she's fine, but I'm better. Just you're the bomb. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. That guy, that's her her actual boyfriend, or at the time, I don't know if they're still together. But I remember we were deep into production. We had this role that we couldn't cast, and he just showed up to drop her off one day. And we're like, hey, man, uh, we know you're not an actor. You've never done anything like this. But do you want to just, like, be this role? You don't really have any lines, and it'll be super easy. You just have to pretend to be her boyfriend, which you are in real life. It's like, yeah, sure. And I remember we were so swamped with production that I couldn't remember his name. But every time I would see him, we'd talk about PS4. We both like PS4. So I think we credited him as a PS4 guy in the credits, didn't we? Yeah, we just kept calling him PlayStation 4 guy. <laughs> but we also we cut like his one speaking scene out of the movie, too. So he's barely in it. Yeah, we did. <laughs> uh, this scene this, coming up yeah. is actually pretty interesting, too. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, we're going to... Well, I'm going to do like a lighting breakdown of this whole scene. Like all the shots, so... I, I, I was Yeah, actually, I think there's a lot to break down here. I was pretty happy with how it turned out, just look-wise. Especially with the small amount of equipment we had, but I was... I think the most happy yeah, with actually, how it turned out. Just so the audience knows, tell them how little equipment we had for this movie. Uh, I mean, I, I had like a f- couple LED lights, and then we just had some C stands and a f- some Kino flows. It wasn't a lot of lighting. Kino flows aren't great. Yeah, for... we had like what? Sorry, what? We had what, like four or five lights? 
Yeah, I think it was like six lights, plus like a couple small ones I had lying around. You did great work with extremely minimal lighting. Yeah, I mean, it's we're not doing anything super complicated. It's just like a bunch of people hanging out at a house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. This is actually pretty interesting, too, because those are breakaway glasses, which are quite expensive. I would say probably the most expensive thing that we had in the entire movie. And I think we had three of them. So we knew, like, we cannot screw this up. So when we first started, Cougar, who plays Jake, went to go get one. He just pulled it out of the box and it exploded. So I'm like, hey, uh, hey, Cougar why don't you come over here and talk to me real quick? And he had later told me, he's like, man, when you pulled me aside, I was like, oh my God, I'm getting fired. I've never seen this guy like have to berate anyone or anything. This is terrible. I can't believe this is happening. I was just like, okay, that happened. It can't happen again. You understand how fragile they are now? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I totally got it. I'm like, okay, no big deal. We just got to be real careful from now on, okay? <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, I mean, it ended up working. We got all the shots we needed. Okay, so this is the one you were talking about earlier. Oh, yeah, his re- his reactions are so good. <laughs> it, it looks like every time he looks to him for his opinion, it looks like he just woke up. Yeah, and that's pretty much what we were going for, too. I think, like, in terms of what's happening, this might be one of the more interesting back and forths in the movie. Because when you sit down and watch it without this commentary, Jake is going through this heartfelt thing. He's just dumping his heart and soul and, like, asking to be consoled and taken, you know, seriously with Pender there. And every time he looks to him, Pender's just more and more out of it. And it's the last thing he wants to be doing is being in this conversation right now. It's, it, it just shows how socially unaware Jake is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, this is the birthday shot. So this is something that a group of friends I had, who are, this movie's loosely based on, this is what they used to do for your birthday shot. They had a wall that had a trim around the entire room. And they would take the tiniest little bits of each bottle and pour it into a shot. And that was your birthday shot. It just tasted like pure gasoline. And it was terrible, but that was the whole point. You know, it was what it was. And we didn't put it in the movie, but I remember the last birthday I did with those guys, they made me a birthday shot and one of the dudes put a laundry detergent in it. Did they ever oh tell you this, Chief? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and then I blacked out for hours afterwards. It was terrible. Don't feed your friends laundry detergent. It's a bad idea. That's really stupid. I know, right? <laughs> Actually, now that we've said, you know, that that the card game was the only scene with all our characters in, I think this scene actually has more characters in this room than that. But this one is less scripted. It's so freestyle. I think shooting this is a lot easier because I'm just kind of handheld following the action, whereas the one in the living room is, there's so much dialogue and we have to cover everything, whereas this one I just follow the action. And we shot this pretty yeah, quickly I guess too. We pretty much do it in one take, eh? Yeah, we did. Well, there's, there's one cut in the middle, but it's not that complicated. Oh, here comes PlayStation guy. <laughs> I love that guy. There he is. This entire thing was improvised by Derek, actually. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You you could see the camera shake there because I was laughing, too. (laughs) Basically, how you play nipples in a cup is you you just put your nipples in a cup and I started laughing. (laughs) This scene, I remember, was the one that Diego... Or no, he was, he wanted to audition with it. And when he came to me, he was like, yeah, I worked on the scene. I was like, man, I cut that scene. He's like, no, you cannot cut this scene. I was like, all right, well, you know, why don't you do it for me? And he did it once. And I was like, yeah, you're right. You, you pretty much killed that. This is going back in the movie. Mm-hmm. We, we, this is actually a reshoot too. You remember when we were originally shooting the scene, it started to rain. Then we had to can that 
and then come back to it later. Yeah. So it was within the same block of principal photography. Like we didn't go back months later or anything, but this was no. the only one where we got rained out on it. Yeah. So we had to pick it up another day, but it turned out okay. It, it's another good example of, well, I think every scene in the movie with Monk is an example of it, but his presence just being that guy that's overwhelming. But again, when you couple it with his intelligence, I think that's what pulls it off. If we had had him be an idiot in the sense of intelligence and be this overbearing, it would be, you would just hate the guy so much. But since he's so smart, I think that's what really keeps you intrigued to him. Even though he's saying terrible stuff, it's all grounded in a, in a really kind of strange, unarguable logic. Well, in his own logic, I have to be yeah, honest. Yeah, like, definitely. <laughs> sometimes I hear him say something crazy and I'm like, where the hell is this coming from? But uh, I think I think in his head it makes sense to him for sure. But I don't know if I completely agree with everything he's saying. Yeah, definitely. That's a much better way to describe it. You know, it's strange. I remember when we cut the movie together. Mm-hmm. watching it for you know we had lock picture and everything was put together and i remember thinking like this movie takes a while but i think the second half of it is significantly more enticing than the first half mm-hmm. and we had the screening those wires on the left god damn i hate them so much <laughs> <laughs> we had the screening but it was interesting that some people echoed it as well they're like you know it takes a little bit to pick up but once it picks up it gets there and i think that's a pretty valid criticism with the movie and in a strange way it's really interesting to watch this and then if you watch what we don't say after it was pretty much a direct um, response to it where we didn't want a movie where it was basically two acts divided right down the middle we wanted one that was the majority the vast majority of it is act two so watching what we don't say is a very very short act one majority of it is all second act and then we have a tiny little act three close out kind of thing so it's interesting to see how one movie and the I won't say the reaction, I'll say the self-reaction to it influenced the way that you can move forward with your filmmaking. Yeah. I mean, overall, like, if you look at what we don't say after this, there's a lot more control in general, just from scene work to blocking. It's a lot more refined, whereas this is very freestyle. Yeah, definitely. I think, honestly, that's one of the most interesting things about it. And I don't think that that strictly applies to us because we're the ones that made it. It, It's one of the things I'm most proud of with what we don't say. And it's something that I think most people would never even think to evaluate, but the progress made from this movie to what we don't say is in my opinion, immeasurable. Like everything goes up one notch, if not two, if not three. Um, I'm sure that to some degree you would even say that for, you know, your cinematography from what party stories to what we don't say. Yeah, 100%. But but I do think the camera style in this movie suits it a lot better because it just kind of feels like you're kind of a fly on the wall in this, like, stupid party. Um, because if it was, like, really controlled cinematography and, like, a lot of, like, still shots and, like, camera pushing in, I almost feel like it'd be more distracting. Um, there's one really interesting lesson in that extremely uncomfortable sex scene we just watched always get your wide shot first. We didn't get that on on the day because someone was going through personal stuff. I won't get into details out of respect for that person, but it was like, we got to go. We got to go. This person has to get out of here. And then when we were in editing, I'm like, why didn't we get a wide shot? And I think it cuts together fairly well. Like you get the idea of what's going on and everything. But even if we had just had the ability to start on that wide shot for three seconds, I think it would have made the scene so much better. Yeah, that was a tough scene to shoot. It was a very tight basement. It was not helpful in terms of lighting-wise, but I think in my head I was like, fuck it, let's just make it all blue. <laughs> Which I actually kind of liked. It's it's like a standout-looking scene in the movie just because it looks so strange, but I almost felt like I, I get it. Like, that feels right to me. Yeah, definitely. And this scene, I th- actually plays a really 
I look at this scene and I see the seeds of kind of who I'm becoming and who I became as a filmmaker. Cause I think universally everyone says this is the best scene in the movie. And I would 100% agree. Like it's the most relatable scene. I think everything about this scene lands the way that we wanted it to. And the pacing of the scene, the way that imp- it impacts an audience is something that I've taken forward since. And you can see a lot of this scene in the structure of scenes and what we don't say. So I think that's a really interesting way to look at movies too. If you make a movie and everyone's like, this is your best scene. You can see people reacting like, you know, you see a couple people squirting a tear, try and break down that scene and ask yourself what went right. Like, was the writing really good? Was the acting really good? Or was it all good? How did it come together to be the best scene in this movie? And is that something that I should take forward into my future filmmaking? Because Odds are, if that's the one scene that worked on every level, then it's something worth analyzing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do feel the same. That was probably the strongest dramatic scene in the movie. But it, it was also like kind of weird just mm-hmm. because... In terms of positioning, like I, I needed to shoot them in singles, and I remember where Cougar was standing, he would just be like kind of lit from the top left hand side, and it wouldn't be very shaped or modeled properly. But in a weird way, because the whole background kind of falls into darkness, it's almost like he's standing in the spotlight. I, I thought it was kind of interesting looking because it was just focused on him. But I actually ended up liking how it looked, mm-hmm. even though I couldn't really control it. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And then there's this. <laughs> so this is the dungeon. This Everything about shooting this and doing this was a huge pain in the ass. For starters, we shot this in the dead of winter, and this shed was not on my property. So I had to go out and find this shed. I found one, but since we live in Canada, it was literally frozen to the ground. So I had to go with a buddy and bring crowbars and just destroy this thing, bring it to my place and try and set it back up again. And as you can see, like it is crazy rusted. It didn't want to come apart or go back together. So after spending, you know, a week doing that, then we had to decorate it. And it's like, well, is it, we got to, you know, we can't put anything on the ceilings or else this is going to collapse. The only thing we could manage to put on the wall was that weird psychedelic Kim Jong-un poster looking thing. (laughs) And then you lit this with a construction light, didn't you? That we found from like value village. Yeah. Well, in my head, I, I had the idea like, you know, these guys would be sitting in here. They'd probably like pull some extension cord out and, and light it with like the most, cheap and available option they'd have so they probably have like one of those little construction lamps the 30 dollars ones and then we found one at value village for like six bucks i took it and we used it to light it it's actually sitting next to derek hitting the wall there and it's actually warm so it added some warmth into that cold um cabin but at the same time it had like that warm shitty construction light feel which is kind of what i wanted to go for because i assume that's what they would be doing in there and then you can see behind them the shadow hits against the wall and there's like a little tinge of like blue purple and that was supposed to be like the screen that they're watching so i put like a little led light directly in front of them kind of like front lighting them but it was like really really dim and you can see like a slight cast of blue behind them so it's supposed to look like the screen they're watching for the TV. And then to the left yeah, of I think- Jake, there's like a, I think, single Kino, very dim, probably bouncing off the wall, just bringing a little light in on him on that side. Yeah. Yeah, you did a great job doing it. I think the person, other than everyone that was freezing their their balls off, the person that had the worst time doing that were the sound guys. Oh, yeah. It's this little shed. It's a real, it's like, what, three feet by four feet. So, like, how do we get sound on this? I'm like, I don't know. You're the sound guys. Figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Derek. <laughs> 
Yeah, Derek, holding for sound. <laughs> so this scene, they're about to get in a little scrapperoo here. And, you know what? I'm not going to say anything. I'm, what I was going to say, I'm going to say for the next scene. But this is interesting because they were kind of... I remember Ashley, the girl on the right, saying, you know, I'm kind of nervous. Uh, this isn't who I am. She's a very, very nice person. She would never get into a fight. She's nothing like her character. And <laughs> the girl that plays Alessandra, she's, uh, she can be abrasive at times in a really good way. I love her. But she's like, how should we go about this? I'm like, honestly, just dive into it. So we put them aside and they kind of like just got to know each other. And then once they were comfortable with each other, we put them in the scene. And I think it turned out really well. Yeah, and the fighting stuff actually turned out. <laughs> There's Pender again. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I believe that's so what up. This, yeah, this is what I was going to get to. She, at the end of this scene, is about to slap Jeff Monk. And I remember we were talking about, like, how to do it. And randomly, she was just like, oh, I know how to make a really convincing fake slap. I'm like, yeah, how's that? She's like, watch. So we just did the first take, and this might actually be the first take. So... She just gets super close to Monk's face. She's like, lean back when I do this. And then she slaps her other hand all so fast you can't even tell what's going on. So like the slap audio from this is her actual slapping her own hands. And of course, you know, Diego's reaction just sells the whole thing. Yeah, because when I saw it, I was like, did, did she slap him? <laughs> <laughs> also, his reaction of, I think I'm hard, just kills me. <laughs> Another improv line. Yeah, it's like there's nothing can happen to Jeff Monk that won't benefit him, even if it's something terrible. It's the strangest character dynamic. I think this is the first thing we shot, huh? Yeah, actually, it was interesting because both of them are right-handed, but we couldn't frame it in a way where we could get both the right hands in. So we're like, all right, Derek, your character is now left-handed. So for the rest of production, the script, you had to look and be like, Derek, you're doing stuff with your right hand again. You're left-handed. What do you think about filming this scene? Because this wasn't the hardest, I think, lighting-wise, but the way we had you, like physically had to situate you, to get this shot was pretty uncomfortable. Like, I think you're lying down in a bathtub right now. Yeah. Uh, the way I was sitting was like, the camera was like sitting on top of my knees and I was crouched in the tub. And it was on the 24. So it was like the widest lens I had, but you know, being the first shot of the movie too, I, I was just like trying to make sure it was all working. I don't think I, I wanted to just get the first shot off without making it, uh, too complicated so we just there's only one light in the scene minus those bathroom lights but you know it, it is how it is like if i had to do it again i probably wouldn't light it like this but that being said i i, I think this bathroom is a difficult place to light anyways yeah i remember when we were filming this scene everyone was like i feel really bad for latif because you look like you're in a terrible position and i think your wrists were like awkwardly bent and when you sit and look at this scene i think it's like four or five minutes straight no cutting just a two shot where you have to stay perfectly still in that cramped position yeah it's also like a little like the framing gets a little weird because derek's so much taller than him <laughs> but you know it's one shot if i could jump on like a wider lens I would have but it was a really tight space we suffer for the craft yeah but you know that edge you know this probably thing. is the longest scene in the entire movie you mean as a single shot yeah yeah this is where uh, Matthew comes in the background that's why we left the little gap there for him to enter <laughs> His character arc of just suffering the entire time. Oh, I love it. I'm sure as an actor, he's like, why am I in this movie? (laughs) (laughs) 
right, here we go. Yeah, the fight scene. It's <laughs> <So> where we <laughs> introduce a new character through getting punched in the face. Oh, and talk about like tough to shoot. Especially this is Diego and he's running around and jumping. And I'm on a 50 here. So it's like very shallow depth of field. So I'm trying to keep it in focus. And obviously there's times when I can't, but I don't think it's too distracting. It's no, kind of it, it was, part of the... Yeah, definitely. It was interesting too, because this is the alley outside of where I used to live. And that building behind the house, that's a retirement home. And we have two guys that are seemingly just walloping each other and yelling at each other all night. So we had to go out and like, we did all the fighting as quietly as we could. And then we'd add all the, you know, the punching sounds and whatnot in and post. And then this, the parts where they're yelling at each other, we're like, you guys have one chance at this, make it count because we know as soon as we do this, it's going to wake up everyone in this retirement home and the cops are going to come. So we got to get this quick. You know what I was really surprised at too? How many mm. people reacted to the bowling joke here? The kingpin joke? Yeah, yeah. Like the you suck at bowling thing. Yeah. Pretty much everyone I've showed the movie to, they're like, man, that bowling joke is hilarious. And I remember putting it in the script and just being like, yeah, yeah, what's something stupid you could be upset about? I didn't think anything about it, but it was probably the hardest that people laughed in the entire movie. Yeah, because, like, who gets mad about bowling? <laughs> <laughs> Here's another great example of monk logic, too. Like, this is the world we live in in my head. If you don't live in that world as well, either get on board or I don't care. Yeah, 100%. Can't help but feel bad for the actors here, too. Like, all the... The poofs of coldness coming out of their mouth. That's all real. It was just really goddamn cold when we shot the movie. <laughs> yeah. If you turn and look at me holding the camera, I have like a giant coat on too, so. Yeah, that was another thing too. Eh? We couldn't, even if they were cold, we're like, you guys can't bundle up while you're on camera. And we had to shoot so fast because we only had seven days that it's like, you know, in between takes, do some jumping jacks or something, do what you can. Mm -hmm. But we're try we'll try and get this as fast as we can and get out of here. Here's the apple juice beer bongs you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, you had to do so many of those too. Yeah. This is one scene that... It never, so the whole idea of the movie is to be plotless when you look at it in terms of plot. It's to basically just be a hangout movie, and that's pretty much it. And I remember at the screening, Derek was like, Man, look at these guys. It's the end of the night, and they're still doing beer bongs. And I'm like, Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Maybe this scene should have been earlier. <laughs> I never thought about it that way. <laughs> I remember when uh, at the screening, my parents were there and, you know, Alessandra here is rattling off about all sorts of various sexual exploits. Mom's like, oh, God, my child wrote this. <laughs> what has he done? <laughs> you smile at her mother, but I'm still a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Latif wrote that scene, I swear. <laughs> Uh, I think this is actually a pretty interesting scene, though, because there was a lot of times where I wanted to try and turn things on their head. And I think very often in a movie like this, you would hear this scene coming from the male perspective. And I thought it was interesting to try and flip it on his head and do it from a female perspective. And then when you get the reactions from Monk, like he's legitimately taking this like an educational lesson. He's really, really trying to learn from it. I thought that this, this scene actually worked pretty well in terms of what it was trying to say and subverting from what you think it would be in this movie. I'm just thinking about how I'm chopping off Luke's head. And how my cinematography instructor from film school would be like, bad framing. <laughs> really? Why? Well, well, I can go throughout the film and kind of recognize when the framing is kind of tough, but there's just some 
Well, it's especially with lots of people in a scene. It's always tough to get the framing just right because there's like height differences and spacing issues that you can't really. It's fine. I mean, there's no issues, but like there's just little things as a DP you look at and you're like, oh, I could have done that better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's totally fair. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think that's kind of the the thesis of this movie. You know, it was our first attempt at doing this and it's a valiant first attempt i think compared to a lot of first micro budget films it's quite good um but it was a learning experience for everyone i think it was all of the actors it was their first feature it was our first feature and then we all took that experience you, you know we went to make what we don't say we took cougar along with us because he did such a great job in this movie and there's nothing wrong with having your first movie not be as amazing as you think it's going to be. It still turned out pretty well. And as long as you learned a lot from it and it enables you to make better things in the future, just be happy. Yeah, that's probably the biggest thing you can take away from it. Mm -hmm. I remember being happy with this scene on the page too. To get into it, we didn't have the coverage that I would have wanted. Like I really wanted to get so the scene basically starts with her taking a phone call with her girlfriend and it's off screen the way it's edited now, but I really would have loved to have had some footage of her. And I remember that being very difficult in the editing room just because it was something I didn't think of on the day. And I think the scripty didn't, no one really thought of, you know? Um, so it would have been great to have that little bit to cut into, but I was actually pretty happy with the way this scene turned out, how it was written and how they performed it. That little overly dramatic head flare that she just did might've been a bit too much, but still I like how it turned out. <laughs> oh man. And then there's Pender. We literally just gave him pea soup to explode out of his mouth. <laughs> that looks so disgusting. It is disgusting. <laughs> Such a sad end for the character. I think that's actually the last time you see him. <laughs> I remember actually when we were cutting that together, we said, you know, if we wanted to, we could end right there. Like the door closes, cut to black. We could, you know, mm -hmm. we chose not to, and I think it was the right call, but that would have been an okay final shot too. Even <laughs> puking and the door closing. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> gives you a different feeling, but... <laughs> probably was the right call not to end it that way yeah i agree i remember a lot of people reacted to this as well so uh jake and jeff were about to have a little heart to heart ish threatening heart to heart and people thought this was really good and it was another kind of throwaway thing in the script but it's strange you know you never really know what people are going to react to and sometimes you put little things in there that people just really enjoy it, what's funny is like on uh, Monk's close up here, once he walks backwards, if you extend the shot further, we cut it obviously, but he walks into that trash can. He trips over it, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, it's probably the because he, he keeps walking without facing the other way and he walks into the trash can. <laughs> we cut right before it happens, but it's really funny. <sighs> I remember thinking when writing it that this was a, the right way to go. Just like the the kind of bottleneck to the end of the evening, it we just end with you know our main people. Right here is interesting. Reshoot. You look at the bottom left. That tree is in full bloom. It is not that way in the start of the movie. No one picks up on it. Yeah, I mean the time lapse was just meant to show night to day, but I don't think it's really noticeable. We can mm -hmm. come back to this, but we do it in jump cuts. Yeah. I remember the set deck for that. I was such an idiot. So that was the last scene of the entire movie we shot. And it was after the after party where we shot the actual party. And for some reason I was drunk and I cleaned the entire house. And then I woke up hungover. I knew we had to shoot that scene. I'm like, why did I clean everything? It was already destroyed from a party. And now I have to redestroy everything. <laughs> I think you're definitely right, too. The The last shot of this movie is actually pretty suiting for what the movie is. I'm just sitting in this shitty shed. <laughs> yeah, Roy looks like he wants to die. So does Jake. Jason's fine. 
And the credits are pretty funny, too. I had a great time with these credits. I think it was the right way to go. Did we ever post that Diego um, blooper reel? Yeah, I think I sent you that shot a while ago. I'm not sure. I don't know if we threw it up online, though, did we? Mm, Maybe it's on the YouTube page. I don't remember. I remember sending you a bunch of behind-the-scenes stuff. If it's not, it's going to go up, because that's something the world needs to see. This is another thing that I think is really fitting for the movie. Just a nice little way to end it. So much ridiculousness that it just kind of levels everything out. Yeah, and then you get to see some of the... This is a great moment here. Mm-hmm. We kept this in the movie if you missed it. <laughs> yeah, he was legitimately freaked out. <laughs> yeah, he was supposed to pretend to be high and the cat jumps on the couch and he freaks out. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and then I put my wife in this, eh? Yeah. Oh, she's going to be pissed that people are actually seeing this now. There she is. Boom. Yep. <laughs> I still want that lightsaber. That was awesome. I really look like a serial murderer while we were filming, filming this movie, eh? <laughs> was your hair like that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like the whole story was I was getting married right after this and I was like, you know, when you get married, you always have that stereotypical, like the bride walks down, she's the most beautiful she's ever been. But the dude, like he's just in a suit. You've seen him in a suit. It's nothing special. So I was like, I'm going to get as disgusting as I possibly can. I'm not going to shave for like six months. I'm going (laughs) to have this wild fro and then right before the wedding, I'll cut it. So she gets that similar thing. And I remember Diego's like, yeah, you know, we met at the audition and then I didn't see you for a couple months, showed up to shoot, and I was like, what is this guy? <laughs> yeah, it's hard to balance getting married and making an independent feature film. Yeah. yeah. And then there's all these wonderful artists that donated their music to this movie. That was really, really great of all of them, too. I think it was the right way to go, not using an original soundtrack and splicing in all this. Yeah, it's definitely a throwback. Would you say this film feels like it's in a certain era? Like, what what year would you place this movie in if it existed? <laughs> Not 2016. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, probably, like, early 2010s, something like that. Yeah, like, right when you're about to start go to school. and Well, when everyone starts to go to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicholas Cage. Yeah, I'm- oh yeah and then there's this I remember we wanted I was like all these Marvel movies they have these post credit scenes and they're so huge and they tease the next thing I was like what if we had a post credit scene that was the most useless thing you could possibly think (laughs) can't believe we shot this (laughs) and for everyone who's disgusted by that that's actually just the pit the split pea soup that Matthew spit out and I just cut it to Diego taking a shit so it's not actually shit (laughs) I just thought it was ridiculous alright alright well that's party stories guys I hope you enjoy this bonus episode yeah yeah what'd you think rewatching it without sound and doing a commentary Latif it was alright I mean it's tough to look at it objectively just because you're you're always judging it I think definitely in terms of lighting I'm I'm always thinking like "Ah, I could have done that differently but at the time I had no idea what I was doing right it's my first feature film I'm only going off of the small experience I've had before shooting other things but uh, I'm happy with how it turned out I think it was pretty good for a party movie yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Like I said, it's it is not a perfect movie. You could say it's flawed. I'm sure you could argue that it's deeply flawed, but it I think 
if you look at it in terms of a first attempt, you know, we were all coming together. We made this thing on no money um, in my house over a week. I think it's a pretty valiant first attempt and I'm happy with what we did. Uh, I'm even happier that we took that and just ascended to a whole other level with our really what I would say is the true first feature, what we don't say. So I think it's a good thing to get out there and to tell people like, you know, it's okay if your first thing isn't perfect. When you're making it, you're always going to hope it will be. I remember making party stories thinking like, oh man, this could turn out really, really well. And parts of it did turn out really, really well, but don't let that discourage you when it's not perfect. You'll take the scenes and the things about it that worked really well and you'll use that to inform your filmmaking identity and then you'll go on to make another thing that's better and you'll keep getting better and better and better and now that we have this out exclusively to the podcast listeners we can do some deep dives and really dive into what makes some scenes click and what made some scenes not click yeah so this is a bonus episodes for the next episode which will be 100 i'm going to do a lighting breakdown for a scene and then matt's gonna quickly talk about a couple of scenes that he uh, thought were interesting yeah cool well until then it's filmcraft you've just watched party stories the first non-people involved with it or family members of people involved with it that have ever watched it so I hope you enjoyed it. And if you didn't enjoy it, I hope you learned a decent amount. Cool. Take care. See you soon. Bye.